They say the cloud is somebody else's computer, and you know, that's true and useful, but it's no good if something isn't automating those computers, particularly when you've got a complex managed service like Confluent Cloud that's got Kafka and Kafka Connect and schema registry and KSQL DB and things like that. There's a sophisticated control plane behind all that that's pulling the levers and twisting the knobs to make it a pleasant service. Today, I talked to one of the engineers who builds that, Rashmi Prabhu, about some work she's done on rolling upgrades. There are some kind of neat things to uncover about how a cloud control plane works, all on today's episode of Streaming Audio, a podcast about Kafka, Confluent, and the cloud. Hello and welcome to another episode of Streaming Audio. I am, as per the usual, your host, Tim Berglund, and I'm very glad to be joined in the virtual studio today by my coworker, Rashmi Prabhu. Rashmi is an engineer on the control plane team as part of the people, a group of people who build Confluent Cloud. Rashmi, welcome to Streaming Audio. Thanks, Tim. It's really nice to be here with you. Uh, and cool. thanks for this opportunity. Uh, I'm looking forward to discussing a little bit more about uh, the work that we've done. And I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more about it. Before we get started, how did you, uh, what's, tell me a little bit about your background. How did you come to be doing the work that you're doing now? Um, so I joined Confluent, um, I think uh, it's not yet been two years, but almost two years ago. Um, and uh, I joined the control plane team. Uh, it sounded like, uh, you know, something new and exciting. I hadn't uh, done something like this before. So I thought it's a great opportunity to learn. And uh, that's how I, I'm here. I thought I'll give it six months, but it's been two years. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a very, uh, that's a very uh, like tentative investment. Like maybe six months, we'll see. Six months. <laughs> I don't know if I'll even like it. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, on the control plane, uh, I mean, that's the the set of services and software and systems that that make everybody else's clusters run in Confluent Cloud, right? Is that a good way to define that? Yeah. Um, so in Confluent, we have a, a, a whole suite of products. We've got Kafka, KSQL, Connect. Um, so all of these schema registry, all of these run uh, as separate instances in the cluster, uh, in, the, uh, in the in a particular cluster. So uh, we we basically have separate clusters for uh, different customers, sometimes multi-tenant, uh, and it's all of the uh, cloud uh, on all the three cloud providers. And that's sort of like the data plane. Uh, and so to govern all of these, we need um, a slightly next level of uh, services, which we call as the control plane. Mm -hmm. And that kind of uh, determines how we operate on these uh, cl customer clusters, um, what are the APIs that we provide our customers and um, various such functionalities? Yeah, and it's a good point about there being lots of different kinds of clusters. Um, to some degree, you know, I like sign into Confluent Cloud and I go into an environment. And if you're not a Confluent Cloud user, you don't know what I'm talking about. But also, if you're not a Confluent Cloud user, like, what do I have to do? Start, sign up, become one. Um, there's a there's a promo code. If you listen all the way through this episode, there should be a promo code in the the outro stuff that I say that that gets you more free cloud stuff. Anyway, it just looks like one thing, but there are some little tells like uh, you know, okay, I'll set up a, a connector. Oh, I need a key in secret, um, you know, or you know, there's something with schema registry that oh, needs to be a key in secret. So anything that talks to anything else 
you're, you're building and you don't have to do much to manage it, but uh, there are these, these keys everywhere, which is just to tell that, yeah, you know, there's actually separate things happening that are talking to each other in a secure way. At least from a completely user's perspective, I, I know not a lot about how the control plane works. I can see that. And I can see, yeah, of course, there are these separate clusters. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing you do what you do because, you know, like one of the good things about uh, Confluent Cloud being a cloud thing is that somebody else is managing the computers, obviously, right? I mean, that's that's the cloud. That's, that's why we have the cloud. Um, but uh, it's more than that. I mean, there's a lot to do to operate all these pieces together. And we have this nice control plane that does all that stuff. So, um, talk to us about, you know, kind of, uh, historically, or, you know, I guess we know probably historically what the pieces of operating a Kafka cluster were like, but specifically, what are some of the things that the control plane has to manage for us? Yeah. So, uh, I think some of the operations that, uh, are of interest here would be, um, provisioning, deprovisioning of clusters, um, when you sign up, you want to create a cluster, we provision it for you. It goes through the control plane. Uh, we have a sort of rolling restarts and general management day and operations that we perform, upgrades of those clusters, make sure that it's uh, at the latest image, it's got all the uh, latest fixes in, uh, the latest configurations, features. Uh, all of those are managed through uh, upgrades and rolling restarts of those clusters. Uh, we have elasticity operations. So we have a set of different uh, things that we do on um, on Kafka and uh, like, you know, other clusters that we run in the data plane. Um, you said elasticity. That reminds me. I'm going to make sure there's a link in the show notes to um, uh, we over the, I guess it was last summer. I don't know. It all runs together. It was sometime during the pandemic. Um, we did some fun things with scaling in Confluent Cloud. One of them was a basic or a standard cluster. It was just a, you know, zero to a hundred megabit auto scaling. But another one was a dedicated cluster. Mm-hmm. And the difference, if you don't know this, is a dedicated cluster, um, you're actually specifying, you know, not the number of brokers, because what's a broker, but kind of we have this compute unit thing that you're asking for a certain amount of that capacity. Um, and so we scaled the cluster from like 50 megabits per second to 11 gigabytes or something like that, some crazy thing. So mm-hmm. why did that work? Well because Rashmi does what she does. Uh, well, the control plane org, which has the control a lot plane of people. Org. I know there's more than one. Out of curiosity, so um, everybody, this isn't a scripted question. I have not, I did not interact with Rashmi last summer when we were doing this. Did any of that come across your radar when we were doing that craziness? Like, were people talking about it? Uh, about the, the... The 11 gigabyte. Uh, I don't particularly remember it, but okay. yeah, but then right. my you know what? That's good. Because <laughs> if everybody talked about it, then it would have been like this big controversial thing. But you know, <laughs> it was uh, one test engineer and I collaborated because I didn't know how to drive the test tooling, and he did. And it was like, okay, well, you know, make sure you put it in a region where it's not going to kill us cost wise, and and uh, everything was fine because it was mm-hmm. was not a cheap test to operate. <laughs> that's that, it, it, that's a lot of data. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, good. Good that it didn't cross your radar, right? Everybody's <laughs> like, no, nah, we're going home at five o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, what are, 
I mean, what are, in, in your view, some of the more interesting things that you automate? You mentioned making sure everybody's on the same image and scaling and what what is difficult that you spend your time on without, I mean, obviously we're talking about internals of a cloud service and you don't get to talk about every proprietary this and that, but mm-hmm. from your standpoint as an engineer who builds this, what's the fun and hard stuff? Yeah, so uh, within the control plane, we have a bunch of different systems uh, through the stack, right from the control plane and even in at the data plane level. Uh, which make all of this happen. We have various APIs for each of these functionalities to realize these functionalities at the data plane on the cluster. Uh, So a lot of different changes, improvements, uh, scalability aspects, uh, all of this has been done. A lot of work has gone through behind these APIs to make it even work. Um, So for example, um, at the operator level, we had a lot of changes to build out a role controller to make sure that uh, rolling restart of uh, brokers were seamless. And you're referring uh, to had, the, the Kubernetes The Kubernetes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, we had the, um, you know, at the control plane level, we had uh, a lot of improvements made in the role API to make sure it scales um, when, we, when we try to um, roll a lot of different clusters. Now, all of these worked well, um, except there was one aspect where, which was causing a lot of toil for uh, our engineers. And uh, that was the problem that was what we we were trying to solve with this automation. So um, the way a a particular cluster role, or uh, as we call it, cluster role, um, took place was- That's a rolling upgrade? Yeah, a rolling upgrade, yeah. Uh, So a person would sit in front of the system, uh, choose which clusters to, uh, which clusters were the next target, uh, issue the call the role API on them, and then for hours and hours they would they would have to sit and actively monitor every different metric for these clusters. So um, this is a Confluent SRE. This is in the old days of Confluent Cloud. This is a person. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not talking about some poor soul who doesn't get to use Confluent Cloud. You're talking about how we did this. How we did days. this? Yes, okay. internally. Okay. This is how like our All team right. was. A lot of transparency here today, folks. We're we're you know revealing. <laughs> The embarrassing underbelly of the early days, but hey, you know yes. what? We're trying to get it started. Yeah, it's not this way anymore. This is how it was. So yes, please go on. This is how it was, <laughs> um, and uh, it was it was a lot of toil. Um, although it looks like you know, um, it's some it's a background job. It was really not because um, it takes away a lot of energy from engineers, and engineers want to build. Uh, it's it's a little hard to just keep watching dashboards and immediately try to react to it, uh, make uh-huh. sure that customer impact is minimal. And so yeah. we recognized this and decided that this needs an automation. It uh, it just works better that way. It's less error prone um, and it uh, gives back a lot of time back to the uh, engineers. As I, as I like to say, this is one of those times when you realize it's too bad we're not using computers for this. <laughs> That's right. Right. Exactly. Well said. Yeah. Um, and that's when uh, we built, um, you know, like uh, a service, a microservice that would uh, that would basically replace the human operations that were involved in this whole process um, and be able to scale as we increase our number of clusters or customers. And as more and more productive engineers began to ship features out to be able to scale along with all of these dimensions that were changing. Uh, I think we uh, we had a good fit uh, for an automation solution, and that's what we built. 
cool. And yeah, that sounds like automation. None of this is easy if you're going to make it be robust and handle edge cases and handle scale and everything. It, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. But again, it's it's you know when a person is watching a console and sort of clicking, like yeah, we can we can build a service for that. That's not. You're not going to get a conference talk out of the cool machine learning classifier that you had to build to make this work. It's mm-hmm. it's it's bread and butter automation. Yeah. Um, yeah. which again, it's not trivial, but you know what to do and you do it. And that's what makes a cloud service be a more efficient thing. Yeah. Um, so basically, um, uh, we built, uh, functionalities into this system, uh, which replaced all of the manual operations that, um, a person, an engineer had to do, um, like you know, uh, validating those cus- those clusters, making sure that uh, we are not touching something that we shouldn't really be touching, um, and uh, firing off those upgrades in batches, uh, being r- running concurrent uh, roles, and then actively monitoring it. And today we have uh, features that uh, you know we where we monitor clusters before an upgrade, uh, make sure that you know it is okay to touch this. Uh, and then uh, go ahead and apply the operation. And then while the operation is in flight, we keep actively monitoring it. Uh, if there is any problem, we basically automatically pause it, pause that operation midway, wait for things to stabilize. And we uh, we have the option of uh, automatically resuming that operation or not. And then once the upgrade is done, we again have several series of uh, uh, iterations where we monitor these clusters, make sure things are stable before moving on to the next set. And that's kind of how we spread out the uh, changes across all the clusters. Got it. So for a trivial example, uh, you wouldn't want to do a rolling restart when there's an under-replicated partition or something like that. So you have to look for yeah. a condition like that. Yes. Cool. And I imagine there are some some non-trivial things that you discover along the way that you also monitor. So you make sure you're not going to break it because a rolling restart really does require taking brokers offline. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what that means. Um, so I wonder, and this would probably be good advice for people who are are automating things, whatever they are, because that's, a, that's kind of like a subspecialty of our vocation, right? Is people who automate stuff. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, Obviously, as a control plane engineer, that that's your whole job building a cloud service. But your, you know, good old enterprise software development team of the kind that I would have been a part of ten years ago or something like that. Um, there's the person who likes to automate stuff and 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 is is drawn to that. And um, I mean that that's the discipline is kind of getting a name. You call that developer productivity these days, and it's sort of a community is forming around that. I'm sure there's going to be a conference for that. If there isn't one already, there should be. Um, talking to that person, when you build automation, um, I wonder what the social dynamics of that are. Because you had this whole cloud SRE group who had a way of doing it that was manual. And I have my warm fuzzies. I know what to look for. I've got dashboards. I know how to do this. I can, I've can. i learned how to do it in ways that, that minimize the probability of downtime. And I, as this human in the loop, which is the definition of unsustainable and obviously not going to work. And, you know, nobody's ever going to have an efficient business running that way, but we know how, and we feel good about it. And now we're going to replace it with software. And yeah, we're all software developers. We'd like to replace things with software, but 
just what what was that like to get this adopted once you built it? Yeah, great question. I think uh, there were two parts to this whole system. One was designing, you know, collecting requirements, designing, building, and then the, then came part two, where it had to be adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, people, uh, you know, we we trust ourselves when we're doing operations, and then we don't, we can't really switch overnight and say, okay, now let you know, I'll let some machine do this. Uh, we want to be sure that things are running reliably, smoothly, um, and it's actually going to do what we want it to do in a safe manner without causing, you know, customer escalations and stuff like that. Uh, and I think uh, in this whole, uh, in that whole journey, uh, we basically went phase by phase. Um, we we approached every team. Um, we helped them configure and plug into our system. We made it as smooth as possible, hopefully. And um, we uh, made sure, like we basically uh, showed all the, the advantages of using this automation, like, you know, dynamic configurations, being able to uh, pause as needed, um, all of the safety mechanisms that were there, and then, you know, demonstrate how it would work. Uh, And then we had uh, people who recognized that, you know, it's good to start um, putting faith in this and, you know, shifting over that responsibility over to the system so they can get back their time. And uh, very slowly, we saw uh, basically, you know, KSQL clusters getting adopting uh, schema registry, connect all of them adopting uh, this automation mechanism and this whole new process, and taking up the responsibility uh, because they you kind of feel empowered to now uh, you know you're, you're now in control of your whole deployment process. You know whom to deploy to, when to deploy. You don't have to uh, rely on some other team to do it. Uh, you have the API. You can go for it and uh, do it as needed. And then came Kafka, which was uh, a whole different adoption uh, phase where, you know, there were a lot of new um, features that were requested, um, mainly all the safety features, uh, extra safety features that uh, are required for uh, Kafka were all built in. And now they are fully using uh, the API to uh, to do their own deployments. Love it. Love it. Okay. So it's it's adopted. What's uh, what's next for this? I mean, it sounds like you've solved a lot of the problem. Is there, are you done? Is there a next step for this part of the control plane? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that, uh, it, that this is probably like the first, uh, I would call it a lengthy POC sort of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I think we have uh, a lot of new things that we want to build, uh, especially, so we have like the select uh, uh, apply monitor phase for an operation. Mm-hmm. We think we've op- we've uh, we have the APIs to do most of the operational work. Uh, we have a system that can automate all of these operational aspects. Uh, we are able to monitor uh, operations as they go. But we have this whole selection phase um, that is still a little bit of manual work, and we want to automate that as well and uh, basically enable a more controlled phase deployment where you can where the engineer can. Um, give a deployment strategy in the form of a configuration and say, hey, this is how I want my deployment to go ahead, or this is how I want my feature to be released across all the clusters. Uh, they might say, you know, some aspects of GCP, maybe parts of Azure, but not everywhere. Like, you know, being able to configure it that way in the form of a policy and then roll that out uh, to the whole fleet. 
Okay. Yeah. Or like all all dedicated clusters in AWS are all basic and standard in GCP. Yeah. Or something. Whatever. You only have so much metadata about the cluster, but or all all clusters that have connectors configured or just things like that, because certain changes might affect those first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. So that's being able to add that automation is uh, next step for you. Yeah. Cool. That's good. And all this, um, I'm not, uh, this, the following could sound like a Confluent Cloud commercial, and I want to be clear that it's not, but a cool thing about this is what it lets us do with just the efficiency of the thing, right? And this is, this is another kind of the subtler economics of the cloud are, they've been compared to public utility economics where there's there's constant pressure to make more efficient utilization of resources. Now there always is, but um, I think, I forget who it was. I think it was Nick Carr, like 10 or 15 years ago, early cloud days. Uh, he was writing some provocative things about the cloud. I'll try and find an article and link it in the show notes uh, if I can. It's been a while, but um, basically there there is a particularly relentless drive to push costs down if you're a cloud provider. And that includes the raw infrastructure provider, you know, you're one of the big three, or you're uh, Confluent, who's a customer of theirs and, you know, providing a cloud service to somebody else. This kind of work is that dynamic in action. And so it allows cloud providers over time to be more price competitive, right? Uh, that's, that's, you know, as the broader economic and sort of product management forces and all that stuff circles around the product, prices go up, prices go down, you know, things happen in the marketplace, but this efficiency engine, which is really directly what you're driving, provides the business with that flexibility to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can result in prices that go down or services that do more with prices that don't go up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool stuff. Yep. Uh, Beyond that, uh, most exciting thing you're looking forward to that you get to work on in the near future that you could talk about? Uh, yeah, I think uh, one aspect would be uh, what we just mentioned, we, we just spoke about, uh, and also like, you know, adopting more and more of these kind of operations uh, and automating all of them. Uh, and then sl- slowly grow out into, um, so basically we're building a team to also you know, address larger efforts around the whole fleet management aspect, um, managing all of our clusters. How do we um, ensure maintenance windows? Uh, how do we do automated inspection, health monitoring, um, capturing events around all of this? So, yeah, I think th- those are like some of the out there goals that we have um, that I'm really looking forward towards. My guest today has been Rashmi Prabhu. Rashmi, thanks for being a part of Streaming Audio. Thanks so much, Tim. I really enjoyed this. Hey, you know what you get for listening to the end? Some free Confluent Cloud. Use the promo code 60PDCAST, that's 60PDCAST, to get an additional $60 of free Confluent Cloud usage. Be sure to activate it by December 31st, 2021, and use it within 90 days after activation. Any unused promo value after the expiration date is forfeit. And there are a limited number of codes available, so don't miss out. Anyway, as always, I hope this podcast was useful to you. If you want to discuss it or ask a question, you can always reach out to me on Twitter at TL Berglund. That's T-L-B-E-R-G 
L-U-N-D. Or you can leave a comment on a YouTube video or reach out on Community Slack or on the Community Forum. There are sign-up links for those things in the show notes if you'd like to sign up. And while you're at it, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and to this podcast wherever fine podcasts are sold. And if you subscribe through Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a review there. That helps other people discover it, especially if it's a five-star review. And we think that's a good thing. So thanks for your support, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>